Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after show entertainment. Very The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Game of Thrones After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424 424- 256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Game of Thrones After Show. Hey guys, what is happening? And welcome to the Game of Thrones After Show, After Buzz After Show. Because being is for doing, and we're doing some Game of Thrones Kiss by Fire in honor of my mom, who's also a redhead. That's really what, that's why they titled it that. I know, I know. But sitting across from me, the lovely Kristen Snyder. Hello, guys, what's up? And next to her, the always lovely Sarah Stratton. Happy Sunday. <laughs> and guys, I'm Dave Klein. And the boot, Stephen Lemieux. What's up, guys? Stephen, also a giant Game of Thrones fan. So let's go ahead and get started with the whole Kiss by Fire theme, as that was the name of the episode with The Wall, where we have Jon Snow hanging out with the grid and talking to Thorman Giantsbane, where Thorman doesn't quite trust him yet. He wants to, he likes Jon, but he doesn't quite trust him yet. And, I mean, we talked about this last week, and we thought that John was going to have to prove himself. And this was the start of it. I thought that they were going to call him out even more. I thought they were going to press him to prove that he was no longer a crow. So when this took a turn of events and that responsibility became, you know, the little redheads doing, <laughs> I was really shocked. I mean, do you think they put her up to it, perhaps? Not at all. I think she just wanted him. They even knew it. They could tell. They pointed it out. Yeah, yeah, they were kind of throwing it out at her like, oh, it's all, you have no reason to trust him. So it was really just because she wanted to be with him, wanted to get with him. And I'm going to do a little quick uh, novel comparison. I'm calling it that because at uh, main talk Rex on Twitter was calling me out saying I use the word book too much. And there's a drinking game now, apparently, <laughs> where every time I use that word, uh, you have to take a shot. So instead, I'm going to use every other word for that that I can. Did you come with a list? So in the written text, uh, <laughs> yes. instead, uh, it was kind of a little bit reverse where it was more Mance Raider putting the pressure on Jon Snow. So it was because of Mance putting the pressure on Jon that Jon had to sleep with the grit to prove it to Mance. And that's Whereas, what we thought was going to happen. Right. Where in this case, it ended up being in the show. It was um, kind of a grit forcing it. But, I mean, after that, I guess you can't do anything else when you're led into a cave like that. I mean, it was so romantic, and they added, like, this whole emotional element, in my opinion. Like, you get so, like, this tough woman who doesn't take any crap from anyone, and I felt like I was getting some emotions out of her. Like, she was pushing the love connection. You know nothing, Sarah Stretton. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, clearly when she said that, John proved himself, so I was happy about that. He learned some techniques from nothing. He just he just knows. He's naturally gifted, just like our friend Podrick Payne. <laughs> naturally gifted in the ways. There just happened to be that cave where they were, though, where there would be... Yeah, you know. good, good thing that cave was there. It was actually, there was a cave in the novel as well. Oh. But uh, it was kind of a little bit further on. They sort of switched up the timing. But yeah, it was just a good thing there happened to be a cave which happened to be warm enough where you could apparently take off your clothing and get into a body of water. <laughs> so it must have been a hot spring. spring. Yeah, it must have been some hot spring, I guess. But what a great romantic place to do it in a hot spring. That's the way to start. And we did um, this scene right before all of the fun stuff in the cave. We got a little bit of a look at the 
at the plot that they're going about. So they've decided to attack the wall, climb the wall. They're asking about the castles. We know there's, they said there were 19 castles guarding the wall, but only three are manned. And Jon Snow said that there was a thousand men at Castle Black. Is he lying? Is he telling the truth? I'm a little confused. Like, Well, it seems like he still wants to be a Night's Watchman at this point. Mm-hmm. He still wants to be a crow. And he's, I think he's pretty conflicted. But what did you guys think? What Did you think that he was telling the truth when he said that with a thousand men or stretching it a bit? I mean, I don't know. It seems to his knowledge. I mean, when was the last time he was there? You know, it's like at this point, things could have changed. So perhaps there was and there isn't going to be any more. Yeah, like maybe he's just trying to be honest because he can try to be honest. How honest can you be in this world? <laughs> right. I mean, because there also are, I think, like 300 men who went to the king's... Um, not for, to the Fist of the North, who basically just and got slaughtered. Died. But, I mean, he doesn't know the headcount on that either. So, so We'll just, find out soon enough. Oh, yes, you. we shall. Words from the booth. Words from the booth. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, let's move ahead on to what was the start of the episode. Some of my favorite group, which is Arya. And, she's, and we get the end, or the... We get the conclusion of the cliffhanger from last week, which was the Beric Dondarrion facing off with the Hound in an epic climactic battle. You guys didn't want any of them to die. Your wish was granted. What do you know? (laughs) I wished that no one would die, and I felt it at the beginning of the fight. And then as soon as the Hound was, like, down on the ground and turned to, like, RM was like, I guess the god likes me better than your butcher boy. I wanted him to die. Like, my mind completely changed as (laughs) soon as he decided to live. I so. still didn't want him to die. I know. I, think, I have, like, a special place in my heart for the Hound because I guess the way he treated Sansa, and I feel like he just needs to prove that to Arya, but I know it's coming. Yeah, I think he's just a tough love type of guy. I mean, he just says things the way they are. He's like, well, I did kill a butcher boy, but he was yeah. everything else, like, the mountain did he, and the claims that he was having put against him last week, he was kind of pushing away. Like, I didn't do those horrible atrocities. So to him, it's kind of just that a night's a night. He's a knight... He's a murder weapon, and he just does what he's meant to do. But the Beric Dondarrion had the one weapon of all things that the Hound hates, a sword of fire of all things to use against the Hound. Yeah. I mean, he knew, obviously. Well, with the scarred face, I mean, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. But as soon as his uh, shield caught on fire, I was like, oh, no, he's done for, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and keep in mind too the sword of fire. That was something we also saw with uh, Stannis Baratheon. Same thing with the Lord of Light, where they had the fire sword. So that's kind of the signature of the Lord of Light in a way. Mm-hmm. So many connections, all over the place. We're going all across Westeros and even over to Easteros for these connections. <laughs> Essaros. So Beric is still alive though. After he gets sliced in half, Thoris immediately runs over to him and revives him. And in a future conversation with Arya, we find out that he has died six times. Twice by Cleganes. Twice by the Cleganes. Yeah. Now by both brothers. I really liked what he said, how every time he came back, he's a little bit less, and he just feels like pieces of himself being chipped away. And you can't really compare that to a lot of things, because we obviously don't know what that feels like. But to some degree, like traumatic events, I think, make us a little bit less and chip away, perhaps, pieces of who we are. So I really like that line. I think they can. It's, it's like whenever you're scarred, it changes who you are, and these are much more brutal scars. Yeah, really shift and take take him away. Yeah, shift who he is. I feel like scars make us more though. But in in this, I guess I see it how he's talking about. You know, maybe he's slowly dying inside, being yeah. taken away each time. I mean, yeah. I mean, it just kind of depends on the way you take it. And I guess mm-hmm. you can also just take it from the aspect of every time he has to be revived back to life. Maybe it's just that he's cheating death thing, and for cheating death, that's the price he pays. Is he's becoming more and more of a shallow shell of a human being. Right. That I makes wonder sense. if everyone who's killed him thinks he's dead. <laughs> That's yeah. a good point. Well, yeah, you have to wonder, like, like when did he get the revived? the Lannisters killed them, him at one point. Like, do they think he's dead? Do they think he's just, like, are they going to be creeped out when he comes back? And he's like, maybe. Maybe they would be. But uh, the Brotherhood with Bad Banners end up setting uh, the Hound free, and they, they stay true to their word because he won the battle. They let him go, much to Arya's displeasure. Mm-hmm. They still let the hound go. So, and he's pissed off because they also took all of his gold. So we find out in multiple instances here that the Brotherhood Without Banners needs gold. They want to keep Arya for ransom so they can get gold from Arya. They took all the hound's gold. Rob. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so set her to Rob for ransom. But they're still going to at least return her to her family. 
Which she seems I feel like unhappy that's kind about. Of fair. I mean, yeah. they're doing a good deed. I think she's just unhappy about the whole ransom thing. She's mm-hmm. just like, you mean I'm up for ransom? <laughs> I thought you guys were cool. She's I just unhappy in general. Like, yeah. things aren't going her way at the moment. I mean, I know she loves her family, but I don't know if that's her quest at the moment. I don't know that she really wants to be traded back to them. I feel like she would rather be looked at as one of them and travel with them, honestly. I just want to see some Valor Morghulis. I want to see some <laughs> Faceless Men action. Yeah, I liked how she was repeating all the names again of everyone that she wished was dead. Yeah, and at the end we heard the Hound uh, as the last right. name that she repeated there. And we also get a scene with her at the end where she's hanging out with Gendry, and she finds out that Gendry's decided to stay in Smith for the Brotherhood Without Banners, regardless of where Arya goes, which she's a little sad about. Yeah. Doesn't want to see her good friend not stay, stick around with her. I don't want to either. I want him to go with her. Oh, oh, see, I think that they need a little bit of distance so that they can reconnect and have this huge, wonderful thing. <laughs> yes. As he says, you need that, separation sometimes. I guess, but I mean, as he says, you couldn't be my family; you'd be my lady. Unless we've had a lot of marriage stuff going on, there could be that. That's a way to make it so it's family. Oh, uh, so Ryan <laughs> Whittleson on the chat thinks that it was a great line from Beric Dondarrion after coming back because it's nice to know coming back from death has a price. So there still is a price that he has to pay. He's not just mm-hmm. immortal, staying himself constantly. Plus, he's got a lot of wicked scars. To show off for it. Yeah, for he does. Immortality. So, a lot going on there. And we've kind of got a lot of clashing now. Where's the hound at? What's he thinking? Because he did run away from King's Landing. So, where's his mind at? And I, I will be excited to see where this keeps on going. Because I love that whole storyline so much and Arya so much. But before we move on, guys, Mother's Day is coming up. And I don't know about you guys, but... I, I remember this one time when I was a kid, and I had this cup of water, similar to this mug right here, and I left it out for like a week or two, and my parents were like, why are you leaving out your cup? You know it's going to start having bugs all over it and maggots, and that's not good. You have to refill your water. And I was mad at my mom at the time, so I said, so they can attack mommy. And I felt, still feel really guilty about it, still feel really bad about it. I didn't mean it, mom. I'm sorry. So I've been trying to make up for it ever since. And one way to make up for it is going to something like Pro, Pro, well, going to Pro Flowers because they have tons of great discounts. I used them last year. I know, Kristen, you used them last year, mm-hmm. too, because they always have such great discounts. Right now, their offers, they have one dozen rainbow roses for $20, $19.99, or you can get double the roses and chocolates plus a premium peak vase for just $29.98, so basically 50% off. And all you have to do is go to proflowers.com, and there's a tiny little microphone in the top right corner. And if you click on that and you type in After Buzz, you will get that discount. So, twelve a dozen rainbow roses or double the amount with a vase. With chocolates. With chocolates. Yes. And you know, you guys know how the ladies feel about chocolates. I mean, especially their mom. Yeah, I mean, ladies like flowers, but chocolate. Nothing compares. So, <laughs> nothing so compares. You have to get the, the, the multiple things. Yeah. And I've paid like up to $60 for flowers before, so that's a great price. So, definitely go check that out for Mother's Day. Give your mother something special to make up for the times that you accidentally said you'd set a million maggots and bugs on her from your old, like, two week old water. It's horrible, Dave. I can't believe person. you did that. You should send her a bunch of flowers to make up the I main know. point. Get flowers. Yes, and... Spe- like Loris would. Like Loris... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, speaking of water, Jamie and Brienne end up sharing a bath together. But before we get that moment, we... Yes, I did that transition. Before we get that moment, we have Jamie... Uh, she, he's... Uh, at Kickdown at Lord Bolton's feet. So we finally get to meet Lord Bolton, who seems pretty pissed off about the hand around Jamie's neck. Mm-hmm. Get it out of my face! He just seems very put together. Like, he seems like a very noble, good guy. Like, I was getting great vibes, like Ned Stark vibes, right off the bat. I was going to say Tywin. He reminded me of Tywin. Yeah. I mean, he definitely has a, yeah, Tywin, like, kind of commanding presence there. And just straight to business, really, I, I think. Mm-hmm. That's the way I think of it. But he basically cleans up uh, cleans up Jamie and Brienne right away, sends them off. Um, After he kids about the, the status of his sister. Yeah, but he does tell him the truth, though. He could have left it hanging. So at least he does update him. I would have liked to see like Jamie like fall to his knees and pout about it. I mean, he does eventually, but I would have just liked to see his reaction after hearing his sister died. 
he that was probably the strongest reaction we got in from him at that time yeah. was hearing about that you really finally start to see some true emotion coming across Jamie's face other than pain from his hand being chopped off but he uh he is ends up getting kind of taken care of a little bit better not under the relentless reign of Locke and he walks into Brienne in the middle of her bath which how is this acceptable wait like how did they leave their two hostages alone in the bath together when they obviously don't get along? I'm, I was really concerned about this. This makes no sense. Why are there no guards? Like, these people are under protection. Can't they just, like, get armed and run away or something? Well, Jamie had a guard. Uh, and I guess they don't care about Brienne. I guess that's <laughs> what it is. I, I don't know. And Jamie could just send his guard away um, without even trying. Well... I them assume that they would walk into, you know, the a room just outside to stand guard outside of the room. They don't have any weapons. They're totally naked to take a bath and everyone outside has weapons. Fine. I was really like hoping for some romance actually. I really see that happening eventually between Jamie and Brienne. They just are too similar not to have him actually realize it and he gets a good taste of what she looks like as she stands up to him. Yeah. But I really like what he said. A slow how, look, elevator look. Yeah. <laughs> the elevator look. I really liked how he said you're supposed to get me home in one piece, not going so well, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Which he immediately funny. apologizes for right after she right. gets so pissed off. And quickly from the chat, Toast of War points out that Lord Bolton has quite uh, cruel... He thinks that he has a cruel streak, basically based off of that moment with Jamie that you were talking about. So I don't mind that. Agreeing a little bit cruel there. And Lady Friend Love says that this scene right here with Brienne was uh, her favorite scene of the night, was this whole scene. And it was a great scene where we finally get Jamie explaining exactly what happened. And why he's called the Kingslayer, but not only that, I mean, we know why, but what he, why he made the choice he made, and what he was up against. And we kind of got in that, those key indicators before that, well, he had to choose between his family or the king, there's all these different vows that you take, what vow matters the most, as he tells Catelyn, I think, in a different episode, but, I think from season one, but... Um, great story from him, and really him finally opening up. It really brings you onto his side. I mean, he makes such a point that he was just trying to save all these people and save his family. And I felt like it was the choice that anyone in the show would have made. So if they hadn't have done it sooner. Um, and it, he's winning people over. Not Honorable Brienne, though. Oath, I disagree. I thought she was won over by what he said. No, I think she was. It was yeah. just that was the whole point to him was this is what would you do in this situation? Because she is so all about oaths. Exactly. And, and even, even Ned cracked in the end, too. Good point. For his family. Yeah. I really like that Jamie said that he trusts Brienne. Yeah. I think that was a, a huge... I'm happy that there was no sexual anything really between them, because their relationship is a steady climb. It feels very truthful and like real to me, like... They've gotten to the point where he does trust her, and he's opened up to her, and he hasn't told this... We've never seen him tell the story to anyone. Yeah. So... I mean, I still felt a little bit of of tension. Even he, like, looks over because she's worried about it, and he says, don't worry, I'm not interested. But, I don't know. I feel like he is a little bit, or he's at least curious. And I really like that he, to go back a little bit, I like that he refused the milk of the poppy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. We did have the maester, who's not a maester, trying to treat, um... Jamie and wanting to cut off his whole arm for a moment, which Jamie said no. But yeah, he's taking it like a man. No, no painkillers for me. Yeah, I'll like scream, that. scream it out. Maybe he just doesn't want to be poisoned. Yeah, I thought that as well. He had many different reasons. Yeah, I guess some. Um, I guess some background from the novel is that his reasoning was that he was afraid that if he took the milk of the poppy, they would just end up cutting off his arm anyways. Even though he said no, so he was like, "Well, I want to stay awake for this whole thing, so no one messes with me." And does something that I don't want them to do. It's like when they cut your hair too short. Right. You want to be there to make sure they don't. <laughs> it's pretty much the exact same thing. A hair, an arm, same thing. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> Good thing your arms grow back, too. So we'll see if they're growing back. <laughs> they attach back. He's like a lizard. Because <laughs> their tails grow back. But I thought that was probably the strongest scene of this mm-hmm. episode. Was And also something that I loved, too, about it was... Um, I, I'd read it first in the written text, and see that there. Uh, so I read that. F- I read it first, and I didn't get that same sort of emotion from him, where he broke down and he almost seemed like he was about to start crying as he was mm-hmm. telling this story. And I just love the way that it was acted. 
Yeah. Uh, so amazing a, performance. Yeah, great performance there, and that's quite a monologue too for a TV show. You usually don't get monologues that long. So br- brilliantly acted. Great job on his part there. So let's go ahead and move on to his brethren over at King's Landing, where we have his lovely fair lady Cersei talking with Littlefinger about not trusting the Tyrells. And kind of interesting that she trusts Littlefinger to even say that to him, because, I mean, who can you even trust in the first place? But she does go to Littlefinger complaining about the Tyrells. I think at this point she's just losing her power and she's going to anyone. And he was like... Do you remember that scene where they had that standoff where she said power is power and she got all of her, her guards to like point their spears at him? Yeah. I feel like it's more resu- going back to that and trying to find anyone she feels like she can control. And that was like the last person that she really told off. And right now she's being told what to do by every other person. So he's like the last one that she kind of has a claw in. That's a good point. Yeah, and I guess she, she kind of does in a way get her way too this time, this round. This round she does at first. Well, maybe it comes to bite her in the butt. Bite yeah, her, exactly. Nip her in the ass. <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> but apparently he was also he was supposed to uh, locate Arya Stark. And we know that he actually knows about Arya now. So he just still has chosen not to give that knowledge to Cersei. So he's hanging on to that. So we know as an audience that he's manipulating her too. Right. And we get the Queen of Thorns afterwards talking with Tyrion. And Tyrion... Being the master of coin, trying to get a little bit of money, and man, again, I just I love her character so much. Just always just saying things like it is, like, well, we're giving you a thousand men, and we're giving you food and supplies, and we're feeding everybody in the town, um, and it, the king's family is always only supposed to pay for the wedding in the first place. But sure, whatever, I guess I'll pay half. She's like, I can recite you every detail of what we've done. So I know more than you do without a book. No, she does everything by memory. And, I mean, so many weddings. I guess weddings are expensive. Who knows? I guess they are. My brother's getting married in a month, so a little pricey. Right now, I think we're up to, like, six weddings in this show. Something yeah, like we've that. got a lot. We've got a bunch in the planning, too. So <laughs> <laughs> a bunch that might be in the works. So, but especially if it's going to be the king's wedding. And she points out that for the king's wedding, you've got to distract the people. You have to give them something big to think about so they don't find other ways to distract themselves. So she kind of does um, point out that this has got to be something huge and extravagant because it's the king's wedding. That's how you do the king's wedding. Right. They crave entertainment, not just food. They crave dancing bears. They don't want, or else they're going to kill everybody. They're just going to kill everybody in a riot otherwise. So immediately afterwards, we got Sansa and Marjorie watching Loras fighting. And, oh, does Sansa just dream about Loras, that dreamy (laughs) guy who's meanwhile dreaming about some other dude, too. So Littlefinger, again, sleeping in and just knowing everybody's weaknesses because knowledge is power, as he said before, as you said, Sarah. And he he sends Loras' weakness to him. I mean, Loras got over Renly really fast. <laughs> what is the timeline on that? I wonder what the time frame at this point has been. I don't know. He was just thoroughly upset and seemed like he was never going to move on. And this guy, meet him one day, no worries, we're going straight to the bedroom. He's like, how did you know? Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> Baelish, what's up? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all these shows for you free is by our amazing sponsors, and today Spotify is one of our sponsors. On Spotify, you can listen to all of your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Premium users can even download episodes to listen to offline, wherever they are, and you can easily share what you're listening to with all your friends and following on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app and search for AfterBuzz TV on Spotify or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Also, make sure you follow us so you never miss an episode of AfterBuzz TV. Well, pretty much everyone in the kingdom seems to know except for Sansa. Unfortunately. Except for Sansa. But he ends up revealing everything to this man who then goes on to reveal everything to Littlefinger. And Littlefinger, plotting as always, goes to chat with Sansa and pretends to be the nice guy and say, like, oh, well, if you don't want to leave with me, it's your choice. That's okay. This scene was so creepy. Like, 
I couldn't tell if he was trying to flirt with her, and I couldn't tell if her last look at him was like she liked him flirting with her, but overall, I was so creeped out, and his voice seemed so much raspier. I took her last look as she had a bad premonition. I thought it was like a bad feeling look like, oh no, what's what's what did I just do? What's going on? That's what yeah. I took it I felt that she it. was uncomfortable, not until the end, though. And when he first approached her, and his ship was in the background, and she was sort of right in front of the ship, and he, she could not see the ship behind her, he said... Like, there she is. She may not be the fastest gem, but she's mine. And he was saying that to her. The ship was behind her, but it, I think that he was saying it to her. She may not be the fastest gem up there. Right. But yeah. she's mine. So basically, he's saying that Sansa's is his, not just the ship that was directly behind her out yeah. of her sight. But, I mean, afterwards, we get the immediate aftermath where he went ahead and told Cersei what was happening in this plot. And, I mean, if that was his intention, didn't quite work out to his favor. Tywin lays down the law here, as Tywin constantly does. <laughs> and lets it, Tyrion know that um, Sansa needs to be wed because he's the key of the north. Rob's probably going to die. So um, I'm going to have you marry her. <laughs> and Tyrion is actually not happy about this. He's Again, he's just a good guy. He's upset by it. He thinks after everything with Joffrey, why would you put Sansa through this much pain? And again, he still has Shay, who he's in love with. So kind of a double playoff there for why he'd be upset by this. I've, go ahead. I was just going to say, considering Shay is her servant, it might be a good play for him because she's obviously not going to want to sleep with Tyrion. And so having Shay that close to Tyrion, he would be happy and so would Shay. So if they could somehow tell Sansa about that, it would work better for the two of them. But obviously she's still going to be left out. Yeah. I mean, I think that is like a good solution around it, besides the fact that there has to be a child somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> which couldn't have worked with Loras either, so... No, not right. quite. Lots of problems. But I did really like the fact that he was trying to stick up for Sansa on mm-hmm. all accounts, like, and still fighting. Like, he didn't just make one comment. He was really pushing not to marry her. He mentioned she's young. He mentioned that she's been through so much. And I really felt like he just felt almost unworthy of her. I was getting that... Yeah, that was part of it as well. well. And I thought that was endearing. And as he points out, I was wed before. And Tywin's like, I know too well. Not at all being kind about the fact that he decided to do what he did to Tyrion. But yeah, Tyrion's just, again, a great guy. And AJ Galizio on the chat says, uh, can't wait to see the look on Sansa's face when she finds out about Tyrion. And she's never liked him. No, she's never liked him. Even for all the nice things Tyrion's done, she's never liked him. And she just wants that beautiful man like Loras, someone who looks good. She wants her knight in shining armor still, which Tyrion is not quite. Even though he has killed a man or two during the Battle of the Blackwater. So he he has won his stripes in that sense. But you know who's even more unhappy than Tyrion? <laughs> oh, yeah. So a little turnaround there. Yes, uh, I loved how nipping he, Cersei in the butt. Yeah, Tywin was like, "He will do as I bid, and so will you." <laughs> and then we get the news that Cersei is set to wed Loras, <laughs> and she must know, and she does know. And I understand she's prideful and obviously in love with her brother, but why is she throwing up that much of a fight? I mean, she knows that he's gay. She knows, like. Because she just wants happen? to be with Jamie. She doesn't want to be wet again. Well, that's not going to happen. She just wants to be with Jamie. I think she just doesn't want to be wet again. That's. I think that's all. What it is. And plus, she doesn't like the Tyrells either. Clearly, as she was trying to find out what they're plotting against the Lannisters. So, I feel like hers is a lot easier of a situation though, and she was throwing the bigger hissy fit. Well, I mean, that depends. You're going to be with someone for allegedly the rest of your life who would never want to have <laughs> sex with you. But she wants to have sex with her brother. Yeah, so, so she and, you know what? Loris would probably be cool with that. Loris can do his own thing, so it kind of exactly. is, works in they her favor. They can just have one of those marriages that's purely for political gain. I think, it, I think it's just more that she was the king's wife and she just looks at herself so high above all these right. other people and being used as a pawn on their chessboard just pisses her off. I, and I think beyond that, too, it's also just being married to Robert where she was so poorly treated and just had such a terrible marriage she just doesn't look at it 
as a good thing. Yeah, she after everything she went through. I I think for the first time though, Tywin doing this to both Cersei and Tyrion at the same time, not siding with either one of them, he is actually putting them on the same side now because now Cersei and Tyrion have something to gang up against their father about. So. Yeah, for once. Yeah, so now maybe they'll be on the same team and work together. That's a great point. Perhaps overthrow their father. Yeah. Perhaps have their betrothed, I don't know, go get married. <laughs> they can go alone. One brother, up. what's another? <laughs> so, um, they're currently in, Time was doing all this because he thinks that Rob is going to get murdered. And over at Rob's camp, we've got Rob... Uh, well, first we find out that we've, we see those Lannister children who were captured, and I think it was in the second episode, Talisa had that chat with them to try and like cheer them up and just being nice to them and friendly, and Lord Karstark does not care. Lord Karstark just goes in there and has men murder these children. He's revenge-hungry. Just totally revenge-hungry. can't be satisfied. And he's just pissed off over the fact that Jamie was, um, Jamie was uh, set free by... Um, by Catelyn, so totally upset about that, totally driven for revenge, even if it means murdering children. This puts Rob in a really bad place. I mean, we see him. He's battling with his idea of what justice means, and the whole thing goes back to what they're fighting for. And obviously we see Rob face off against his three advisors, basically, like his wife, his mother, and the guy who I'm looking at. Admir, Admir. Exactly, and they're all telling him different strategies. Keep him prisoner, use him as a hostage to keep his forces. And Rob just goes off on his own and decides that what he needs to do is the way of the North. And in my opinion, kind of what a king needs to do. Exactly. Be a king, take charge. Mm -hmm. He's a new king, he's young, he can't have people disrespecting him and saying horrible things about his leadership in front of the entire court and all of his advisors you have to stick up for yourself you have to be true to your mission and yeah. horrible things you mean the king who lost the north that's not that bad not at all i like that he was showing no mercy and doing it himself as ned did i like that too that was that drawback to ned where ned had taught all of his children if you're going to do it you do it yourself and we saw that the very first episode where ned rob was there showing bran um, was taking Bran, I, I believe, and they were watching that do this. So he does take charge, but he just in this mad fury where right afterwards he just storms away and shaky camera shots to try and show how mad he is he had to do this and unhappy about the entire situation. So just a bad place to be in. And he is, he's, the Karstarks, as Lord Karstark even points out, have always been the blood of the first men. They're related to the Starks as a Stark and Karstark. Um, so they are one of the most loyal to the North. And this is now the situation he's in is he has to put to death one of the lords of the, the North. So terrible place to be in. And um, after the lecture that Lord Karstark gives him, he's obsessing over his maps in his room with Talisa, trying to comfort him a little bit. And he's just, I mean, when you're that mad, it's kind of hard to comfort you. And all he can think about is the war and what's going on. When he finally comes to an idea of what to do, mm-hmm. which would be that he's planning and plotting to take Casterly Rock, which is the Lannisters, this Tywins, that's their home. That's where all the gold cl- comes from. That's why the Lannisters shit gold is because it all comes from Casterly Rock. So hit them hard at their home. So almost kind of sweeping out under them their home, just like Winterfell was swept under the Starks. So it's doing that same thing. Right now it's not protected. Everyone's at King's Landing. Let's go hit there. But they need some help. From <laughs> the Freys. Hey, Walter Frey. And that's going to be really easy to get. Not that awkward. <laughs> hey, yeah, so maybe I pissed you off and married uh, Talisa there. Uh, whatever. Sorry. Yeah. What do you, I know you guys probably know, but I mean, I feel like he will actually give Rob people because he's not aligned with anyone else at the moment. And I think that they want the same thing. So at the end of the day, despite the marriage issues <laughs> or the non-existent marriage, I think that he will give him the men. Yeah. I think that maybe eventually he's going to give him the men, but they're going to have to come up with another sort of arrangement trade. And I think it's going to be far worse for Rob than the original agreement. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, and AJ Galizio on the chat says Rob made the decision based on emotions, and he will probably suffer because of it. So, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that it was emotional based. He knew what he was losing, but he felt like he had to do it to keep his pride and to show no mercy as he is king, and that's what a king has to do. He didn't want to do it. I don't believe it was based off emotions. Well, that could be relating to him marrying Talisa, uh, I think. That was a decision based uh, okay. off of emotions. But I do agree with you. I, I totally agree that him doing what he did with uh, Lord Karstark, or, yeah, Karstark was um, kind of, he saw it as a necessity. Mm-hmm. It was like, I, and it's also to kind of in a way save face. He's the king. He has to show that this is what happens if you, it's essentially was treason. I mean, he disobeyed Rob's orders. Right. So it's not you're just going to get a pat on the back. It's just, this is what happens. I'm but, surprised that it wasn't thrown out more to, um, that Catelyn wasn't being punished enough. I'm surprised that hasn't come up. Like, he's punished all these other people who've gone against him. What has he really done to his mom? Like, I'm surprised people aren't really throwing that in his face. And he actually does punish her a little bit more in the books, but it, it really isn't that much because it's his mother. So, And that's actually that's something that Laura Karstark does try to throw in Rob's face. Uh, and he does it here, too, where he's like, the blood is on Catelyn's hands. It's on your mother's hands. It's not on my hands. So trying to pull it back to Catelyn for what she did. But it's his mother. I guess he he doesn't want to be too harsh on his own mother. Hopefully he goes to Pro Flowers and orders for some flowers. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what he'll have to do after all of this. So... We also got Stannis Baratheon speaking with a lady that he wronged, which would be his wife, Selyse. So he goes to his wife and admits to her, like, hey, I've wronged you with Melisandre. And she tells him that she knows. And it's okay. Melisandre told me everything. It's okay. The scene was so creepy. (laughs) Well, it seemed like she was, uh, it seemed like she was under almost some sort of spell. I agree. Like, yeah, she definitely seemed very off and not human, in a way. Well, she keeps babies in jars. <laughs> yes, we do see the fetuses in the jars, too. I, I wrote down, dead baby aquarium. Nice. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what you do, right, when that happens. You keep them in jars. No. Yeah, totally. I was, I'm you, thinking way too much about these jars. I'm like, how did she have him have another son after putting the first one in a jar. Wouldn't you stop? Wouldn't you be like, okay, you put one in a jar. We need to back out of this situation. But no, there's three. She's almost putting them there like trophies. It's very weird. I yeah, think she, it is she very talks weird. to them. Yeah, she does. They I have mean, names. It is kind of yeah. a trophy to her because it's almost a trophy of her I mean, she feels horrible about it. But it's like a reminder to her of how horrible of a wife she is for not yeah. being able to give kids, I, I suppose. But I, I want to jump back for just a moment because I like this comment on the chat from Stellar Dream, wh- who said it's interesting to see the similarities between Theon and Rob with people disrespecting them, although Rob is much better at chopping people's heads off with only one clean, swift stroke, whereas Theon took multiple. But it was kind of someone disrespected them, and they ended up putting them to death. But um, back to what we were talking about um, yeah, she, she's just upset that she can't give him a son, and I, I just thought it seemed like she, she, was, she was under some weird spell. But we, right afterwards, we get to see Stannis talking with his daughter, who's very upset about, um, Davos. about Davos Seaworth being imprisoned, not happy about it. She loves Davos, and she goes to pay him a visit. And he made her a ship. She made, he made her a nice ship. She's going to teach him how to read. Wasn't that so adorable? Yeah, that was nice, and I'm, I'm glad we get to see her, too, and this was kind of different uh, a differentiation, so for those of you, here's a little brief thing for those of you who want to hear about the comparisons, um, we actually don't see any of the daughter have anything to do with any of this in the novel. She has nothing to do with um, Davos in this part and what's going to happen. She's not there at all, so it was kind of, for me, cool to see something new, and I, I liked seeing the daughter's tale um, kind of pushed a little bit further and find out a little bit more about her. I like that she doesn't know, at that point in your age, um, you would normally abide by what your parents say. But she's kind of going on her own set of rules and that he is her friend and he has been nice to her, so she's going to go out of her way for him. And I like that she's not abiding by anybody else's rules at this point. Yeah, which is great. And, and you have to wonder, too, what type of life she's been living because we've seen that this is a very cruel world to cripples, to people who are um, have any sort of... Um, illness out of the norm and she clearly has some sort of facial or disorder or some sort of 
um, sickness where half of her face she has bumps and lumps and she is disfigured. disfigured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just curious, and maybe that's why she's so nice is because maybe he's the only guy who's ever been nice to her, which and could be she very points possible. Out, like she even says, like, what more that can they do to us? Put us in cells? Like, right? She knows her situation. She's seems happy and sweet about it. But she knows that she's being locked away and put away, and yeah. she's not going to lose the few friends she has. I think teaching him to read will obviously come in handy later for him and save himself, if not her, as well. Yeah, definitely. It'll definitely be a huge point. And, and yeah, I do like what you were saying, Sarah, where it is definitely, she's pretty much already in a cell in her room anyway, so might as well be in a cell with Davos, if, if she Aww. can be, or by Davos, the one guy who always treated her well. So, with that, let's go ahead and move on to Essaros, where we've got Daenerys after her triumphant victory. Um, we've got Jorah and Barristan trading stories to each other, kind of about <laughs> um, being in Westeros and what it was like. And uh, they're, they're kind of arguing a bit, too. Maybe a little jealousy from Jorah's end. Could be. Well, I just like how Jorah finally sets him in his place and is like, you're not Lord Commander here, you're in just another exile. Because he was acting like, you know, he had a Saiyan who was going to be her right-hand advisor, and that's just not going to be the case, considering he also just got there. Yeah. He's referring to them as we and us and our. Yeah. (laughs) We're a unit already. (laughs) No, um, I agree, like, this is a little power struggle, but does it really matter? Because the one who makes decisions is neither of them. Yeah. I also like finding out about the uh, King's Council little info info and tidbit we got there where Barristan never sat on the council and that the King's Guard are supposed to. And this isn't something we would have known before that because as we start the story, it is with Robert's reign where it would have been Barristan who was supposed to sit at the King's Council. But because Robert didn't trust Barristan as Barristan served um, the Mad King heiress, he didn't. So it was kind of a cool tidbit and learning about the world of Westeros and how things work in King's Landing. So I always find those little bits of information pretty cool. But I like the scene a lot, too, right afterwards, where we see Daenerys um, talking with the Unsullied and setting them free and telling them that they're free to do what they want and having the talk with their leader, Grey Worm. Well, she makes them choose a leader. Right. Well, she does. Yeah, she makes mm-hmm. them choose a leader, but the leader can then choose what they do. They're free at that point. Right. So I, I like this conversation and what Grey Worm says about his name because she's kind of startled. Why is his name Grey Worm? And we get the reveal that, which was actually something we found out uh, a lot earlier from Krasnus initially in the novels. Sorry for bringing that up again. But um, we find out that the way that the Unsullied work and to try and keep them loyal and to keep another way to just put them in their places, every single day they have to pick out a nameplate from this pot of names. And that's just your name for the day. And at the end of the day, you throw your nameplate back in. So every single day, the Unsullied soldiers have a different name because they just draw it, they have that and carry it with them. So then it, when they have to show their name or their name is called, that's just whatever name they happen to have that day. That's so interesting, because, like, in this, from what it seemed to me, Mm -hmm. it was like they get this one name that's a vermin name, just to remind them how low they are, but it's a constant. Was I... And that was just horrible enough for me. Well, I mean, that they it was the same thing here. They just didn't explain it as well, where you do still have that. It just wasn't quite explained as well, where it is you're, you're vermin, but you still pick a different name every day. At least I think they explained that here. But he picked on the very first day Grey Worm, and that was the name that he had picked out when he first became uh, um, unsoldy with Krasnus. So it was a cursed name. But then it was the same name he picked out and drew out the day that Daenerys set him free, which was made it a lucky name, which is why Grey Worm was such a big name to him is because it was both the name he chose in the beginning and the name he chose in the end. Ah, yes. It all makes sense now. I was confused. I thought he was saying that his original born name from his parents was his bad name and that the Grey Worm was his good name because that was what he had for Daenerys. Okay, making more sense. (laughs) So we've got um, a bunch on the chat about Jorah and Barristan. We have AJ Galizio saying, I think Barristan Selmy knows that Jorah was spying on Danny." And Toast of War says, Jorah was trying to find out if he knew that he betrayed Danny." Uh, of, as of, as far as Barrett and Selmy goes, even though it's actually Jorah who betrayed Danny, but uh, Jamie's hand, and I like this, was so saying no more room in the friend zone. <laughs> so between Barristan and Jorah, there's no more room. Only one can be friend zoned. So fight over the friend zone area. 
So yeah, we do. Um, it, it was cool though. Back to that conversation. I just like that. It, it, it's kind of a cool tidbit where they really do like her, and you find out how much they like her because he, the Unsullied, says that this is a lucky name to him now, Grey Worm, because it's when he was set free. So even though the Unsullied are supposed to be these robots, essentially, as we talked about, they still do love that they were set free. It's still a very big deal to them. That seemed like that was a hugest point of her entire scene. Was that? Everyone she was with was just so behind her. Like that was the point mm-hmm. that um, why Jorah and Barristan were fighting anyway, because they were saying we finally have someone we believe in, and we'll believe him with all our heart. And that's really, I feel like, the message that's going through. Yeah, we got Westeros Charlie saying, "Do I sense a love triangle between Barristan <laughs> and um, Barristan Jorah and Danny?" So obviously, we'll see what happens with that. But let's go ahead and move on. And before we get to your guys' comments from YouTube and iTunes and all that. I do want to say, guys, that if you could support us in any way possible, whether that be going to YouTube, go to iTunes, please rate, please comment. We appreciate your feedback, positive or negative. We just want to know how you guys feel and how we can make this show better for you guys. Or you can join us on the live chat. You've heard me interacting with you guys. We are now officially, have a set time, at seven. Uh, we're at 8 p.m. Pacific time, and I believe that's 11 p.m. Eastern time. So 8, 11, check it out, live chat on AfterBuzzTV.com if you want to join in every Sunday, every week, except for, I believe, Memorial Day when we'll be on hiatus for that one week. So, let's go on and talk about some uh, uh, brief news and gossip. After TV News. Alright, so one of my favorite aspects of this show is the direwolves. I've always said I wanted one. They just look like the most cuddly, wonderful animals you could ever have. <laughs> Plus, if someone makes you mad, they'll bite your heads off. <laughs> well, what more could you want? Anyway, I was reading on Discovery News that direwolves kind of already existed. It was 10,000 years ago, and they lived in North and South America. Or North and South America, yes. And they were 25% bigger than modern gray wolves, and they're up to 175 pounds. So, wow. if you lived 10,000 years ago, you could have one. Pretty big there. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's go back in time and bring some direwolves and go back to the future. Oh, no worries. People are trying to resurrect them now. Do tell. There's some crazy <laughs> fans now. <laughs> there's, some, there's people in Oregon um, that are trying to put these direwolf traits into American Alaskan dogs. And um, they said that some of the individuals have dogs that are now 140 pounds, which is more than me. In a dog form. Yeah. So wow. pretty big. I'm getting one of these. I don't know about you guys, I but might I have move a. To Oregon. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I have a direwolf aquarium, actually. Oh, so sort of, <laughs> is it fetus direwolves? Is it just like uh, the one that we saw before? I'm just kidding. I think the only thing Creepy. worse than dead babies might be dead puppies. <sighs> yeah, dead puppies. That would be so horrible. I, whenever a dog dies. Well, that's what dies, you just said. I wasn't serious, uh-huh. clearly. But uh-huh. whenever a dog dies in a movie or anything, I feel way worse than when a human dies. Cause yeah, so, I do a lot like, of times, too. For some reason, yeah, you just feel way yeah. worse about dogs dying. But um, so with that said, let's go ahead and jump on some comments from you guys. Thank you so much for um, all your comments on iTunes and YouTube. On iTunes, we had Danger Shoes, a.k.a. Dragon Shoes, as I like to call you. <laughs> so Danger Shoes, Dragon Shoes, same thing. Thank you so much, and thank you for all of your tweets. And on YouTube... We had Sista in the, and again, sorry, you guys, are so many comments. I love it. Thank you, guys. I can't list all the names, but here are some awesome comments you guys had. So Sista in the Hood and Violin were agreeing with uh, you, Kristen, about Sansa. Sista in the Hood says that they're not doing Sansa's character justice. I'm disappointed because she's one of my favorite from the book. And uh, Violin, or yeah, I think that's how you say your name. Sorry. Violin, Violin says Sansa is just a puppet. She makes me so mad. She has zero game. Zero! (laughs) (laughs) It was all exclamations and capitalized. That's clearly how she said it. But yeah, so a lot of people uh, are on the comments not happy with Sansa's character in the show because she is in the novel a little bit smarter about what's going on here. She doesn't quite play off that way. She and seems like she's, she's just in being played. a lot, like footage wise. Like she really, she's always on screen. And what is she really doing? Being played. Eh. She's just she's a chess used. piece. Yeah, just a chess piece. Uh, we had Miss Crazy Mouse um, commenting that she thinks Marjorie is playing Joffrey. Did you notice? And says, did you notice the people were calling out her name louder than Joff's? I think she's just going to end up having more power over the people than Joff. So it did seem that way. I noticed yeah. that, too. And I think we talked about it a little bit, how it was you first hear Marjorie's name being chanted. Yeah, I said she's pretty much feeding him to the lion's den. <laughs> yeah. You know, I still feel like, I mean, if she's married to him, that she would want him to be powerful anyways. So I don't... No, she wants him dead. 
But then what would she get out of him being dead? Then they'd find a new king. She doesn't want him dead. If she can control him, she wants him there. Yeah, she just wants to control him. Because if she if he's dead, they'd find a new king. They would replace her. Um, but uh, So I think. But Jackhammer23 uh, says for Dana- on Daenerys that she, about the whole thing that happened last week where I was saying that she was playing a little dirty. He says that she's a tactician. She's doing what it takes to win. What do they say? All's fair in love and war. So... That's true. Theme I also think when show. you, I also think though when you hold up a white flag or something like that, it's you're supposed to have some semblance of honor or some sort of code, so it's not just a madhouse of horribleness. But uh, regardless, they're all slavers, so who cares? They're terrible people. <laughs> they're terrible people, anyways. Okay. Screw Krasnus. <laughs> Justice. Justice. Uh, so that does it. So thank you guys so much for joining us this week. We will. No predictions. Oh yeah, let's get to some predictions. Thank you. <laughs> We were robbed of our... Well, it's because we were rushed and we didn't get to see... We usually watch the previews beforehand. We didn't get to see them tonight. I think, for one, I think Snow and Egret is... Are they still going to be in the cave? <laughs> she said she didn't want to leave, so there's They're my prediction. They're going to get walked in on it. <laughs> I, I want that just to be the entire rest of the season. All The whole rest of the season, they're just in that cave, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. The wall's done. You just get to see them in the cave A every now and then. What can happen in that cave? I like her to happen. Okay. <laughs> I also think that Cersei and Tyrion's going to team up. Yeah. Uh, kind of a cool thing about the cave, actually, is that those caves do lead into... I, I, they didn't mention it, and I don't think they're going to do anything with it, but those caves, some little lore for you guys, those caves actually can lead into past the wall, and it's a way to get there. I'm just going to say that I'm pretty sure that was going to be a spoiler alert in, like, a month. I don't think or so. Or a really good prediction. Or it's a really good prediction. What, what, do, what do you think, Sarah? I mean... If they don't want to leave the cave, ironic twist, not leaving the cave and getting through the wall. Hmm. Yeah. That seems like a Game of Thrones line to me. All right. Well, we will see what happens next week with that. I think there's going to be shadow babies in the cave. Oh, dude, that would be crazy. There's just It's just infested with shadow babies everywhere. Prediction of the night. Shadow baby caves. And for anyone who was wondering, the uh, Grey Worm is actually a pretty well-known British actor named Jacob Anderson. I'm sure we're going to be seeing a little bit more of him. You know what's crazy? We've seen been seeing a lot of this season. A lot of actors from the TV show, the HBO show Rome have been making appearances on this. Mm. Like, Mance Raider was Caesar in Rome, Julius Caesar in Rome. And actually, Edmure Tully was at, also a character in Rome, so... A lot of the Rome cast. So that's my prediction. Is we're going to see more of the Rome's cast <laughs> ending up in Game of Thrones. That'll be my prediction for the night. All right. So once again, guys, thank you for joining us this week. Um, for those of you who are watching a lot of chat, sorry that we did start a little bit earlier this uh, this week. We will always be now 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Pacific time, 11 p.m. Eastern time. And once again, I'm Dave Klein. You can join or you can follow me on Twitter at the Dave Klein. That's K L E I N. Or go to my website djk-online.com. Or if you're into video games, a bunch of my video game journalists, buddies, and I have started a webcast through AfterBuzz Game Control Live. Go check it out on AfterBuzz's YouTube or join us live 12 to 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Saturdays. Hey, guys. I'm Kristen Elizabeth Snyder, and you can tweet me at Cinematic Escape, or you can bang my blog, Cinematic Escape. I'm Sarah Stratton. <laughs> um, I like AfterBuzz. <laughs> um, Done. You can find her in the streets of LA. Find her in the streets. <laughs> that's, I don't know if that's nice. See you next week. You live week, in guys. LA. That's what I'm saying. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.